listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. All right, welcome to a new episode. Recording this on a Sunday, the Lakers sitting at 14-2, and two, best record in the NBA. Bet you didn't think that coming into the season, but here we are. Of course, this podcast is part of the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. Don't forget to like, subscribe, check us out. We have new podcasts coming out daily. We are on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it, we are there. And of course, go to silverscreenandroll.com for all your Lakers needs. Joining me today, the man behind all the magic that you see at Silver Screen and Roll, Harrison Fagan. Harrison, what's going on, my man? I would not say all the magic, although that was a very glowing and like nice intro. Uh, but like it, you know, it's definitely a talented team. But um, I am very lucky to uh, like have the staff that I have and try and contribute what I can contribute. Well, you do you do a great job of it, man. Uh, let's let's jump into this one. Last night, Lakers went on the road. It was a back to back. Ended up just narrowly beating the Grizzlies, one hundred nine, one hundred eight on the road. Of course, the Lakers, like I mentioned, they were playing a second of a back to back. Um, still playing unreal right now. They did come on a little bit slow in that game against Memphis. Uh, you know, and I attribute that to having to travel. They, they played in OKC the night before, had a close game there as well, and then going into Memphis. Uh, what were your thoughts on why things kind of started off slow? Was it just the, the sluggishness from having to travel and play the back-to-back? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it, part of it's the back-to-back. And, like, you know, I'm just going to be real. They did not deserve to win that game. It's like a win is a win, and this team will take it. But, like, even afterwards, you know, I, I'm sure that some of our listeners watch Spectrum Sportsnet and read the site and whatever afterwards and stuff. Like, even the guys in the locker room almost sounded, like, confused as to how they won that game. <laughs> They're like, well, like, we didn't play good, but – you know, you just good teams. You got to pull out wins and figure out a way to do that. And you know that to their credit, that's what this team is doing. And that's the difference. A lot of the times between like a really, really special team and like just kind of a good team, it's like a lot of time people talk about like the special teams. Like, oh, they just blow all these bad opponents out of the water. But over an 82 game schedule, that's not really how things go. Even against bad teams like the Grizzlies, and the Grizzlies are a bad team. They very much lost that game by being a young team that forgot to call a timeout immediately after a rebound so they couldn't advance the ball up the court. They passed it first and then called the timeout, so they had to, like, you know, take a desperation, uh, like, heave at the pass, basically, with a second left. And, you know, but the Lakers, you know, were down for a lot of that game and did not seem to have the momentum, did not seem to have their rhythm going. And, you know, I I honestly, to take it back, like, I think that the difference between really, really special teams and just like kind of okay teams is that um, like the, the really special teams find ways to win games like that, even games that they don't deserve to win, even games where they almost gave it away at the end with that LeBron, you know, he tried to hit the back breaking three, um, missed it. And then like Kuz had that late turnover where the ball just slipped out of his hands. And, you know, like that kind of stuff, that'll cost you games a lot of the time, but the Lakers are still finding out ways to grind it out and win these games. And like, that that's why they're 14 and two. And that's why I think they're better than almost anyone expected they could be. I think a lot of us probably thought, okay, this is a team that can compete for the top seed, but to run away like this and only have two losses, 16 games in like that, that's gelling even quicker than I expected, even given like that they were supposed to have a soft, softer schedule than they kind of ultimately have. Yeah, you're right. You know, you hit the nail on the head. And, and I've said that before too. Like you look at during the Warriors run the, the last five years, there was many times they were down, you know, eight, nine, 10, even sometimes double digits, you know, high, like, you know, uh, you know, 18, 19 points at halftime. And then they'd come out and blow the team out of the water in the third quarter. And the, the Lakers did that a little bit yesterday, outscoring the, the Grizzlies 30 to 21. I thought their defense was a lot better in that third quarter as well. But you, you're right. I mean, I looked at it and said, okay, maybe after 10 games, it'll take them a little bit of time. They'll be sitting at seven and three, maybe, you know, around, around there. And then they'll start to get rolling as they as they get more chemistry and then they start to get to know each other and, and, and how to, you know, familiar with, with each other's tendencies. But 
with, with the way things are rolling right now, I still think they have another gear to hit offensively, especially. I think defensively, our last couple of games haven't been as good, but they've been you know stellar pretty much throughout the season. How much credit do you give to Frank Vogel for, for getting the guys in and being able to kind of buy into what they're doing, especially defensively with the system? Yeah, I, I think Frank Vogel deserves a ton of credit. I actually thought that it was really interesting that LeBron, like unprompted basically, shouted him out and the coaching staff out uh after like they were able to pull out that win in memphis and they were just asked why they've been able to like kind of lock down on defense late in games and he said the co he credited the coaching staff for giving them like a great scouting report for constantly giving them updates on these teams tendencies and what to expect coming out of these plays and stuff and i i think it's it would be really hard to not credit vogel for a lot of this you know we all talked about there was going to be speculation about his job security at some point and it looks like they, that point may not even get here if things continue to roll like this like um you know if you're if you're talking Talking about guys that have underperformed expectations, the only one you can really say is Jason Kidd for not attempting a coup yet. And um, <laughs> so, like, like the Lakers are killing it. The coaching staff, I think, has been really good. Vogel, especially, I think, deserves a lot of credit, not just for the defensive buy-in, because this team does have guys that have won before who have bought in on defense. So, like, getting buy-in from guys like that, it is a skill, and it takes, like, some level of skill. But the bigger thing to – but, like, it's a little bit – easier than like if this was a non-defending team and he was getting guys to defend above expectations like way above expectations or previous career norms like LeBron has just clearly decided to lock in I don't know how much of that is Vogel but that's been huge for the team um but the thing to me that's been huge is you know he'll have like one stretch per game maybe where he throws out kind of a nonsensical lineup that most people would be like I don't know if that's really going to work and it definitely doesn't always work but he seems to use the first half almost. And I actually asked him about this at a recent practice to kind of experiment a little bit. And then um, like it just goes to in the second half and really tries to like, he's by that point, he's figured out who's working and adjusts his rotations accordingly. And that's not something that we saw a ton from Luke Walton over the last season, like where it was, you know, you'd look at the first half analytics and be like, Oh, like, you know, Troy Daniels was really bad during that first half, just for example. And like, to just have Troy Daniels all of a sudden just like not be in the rotation in the second half, just, you know, again, for an example, I don't like, I'm not talking about any specific game. Like that's not necessarily an adjustment that Luke would always make. And I, I don't want to use this to just like crap on Luke who, uh, but like, I think Vogel deserves credit for just, he makes a lot of really sensible decisions and seems to just really nail these rotations outside of like, spots where he's clearly experimenting and trying to see if he can figure out like, okay, this lineup's weird, but can it work? And he's like throwing stuff at the wall to see if it sticks occasionally. But for the most part, I thought he's made really sensible rotations. I think he's done a really good job managing LeBron's minutes, getting keeping his minutes down for the most part. I mean, Memphis, he played 39, so that wasn't ideal. But out, for the most part, he's done a pretty good job with that, I'd say. And I've been really, really impressed with him. Yeah, I agree with you because I, I noticed that early in, in the season as well where, you know, what he was trying, and I expected that too. He wasn't going to have a set rotation by by game two or three. Like they had to figure out, okay, well, who fits with who and and what combinations maybe have a little bit more chemistry. And I love that about Frank Vogel. Like like I, like I you were mentioning, like, yeah, Troy Daniels was getting run sometimes, then he wasn't. Like Quinn Cook got a DNP last night. Uh, you, you look at the rest of those guys, like even Jared Dudley got off the bench for seven minutes yesterday. You know what I mean? And and he's kind of willing to to take different outlooks on on how to run it and and I, I appreciate that about a coach I almost think in today's NBA you have to adapt on the fly you can't say and like you mentioned about Luke Walton and it's okay to crap on Luke Walton now because he's a, he's a Sacramento Kings coach but I mean I, I noticed that I noticed that last season too like he was stuck with all right you know LeBron's gonna play from the beginning of the or the entire first quarter and then he might sit the first you know six minutes of the second or whatever his rotation was and he's stuck with that and, and I appreciate that about Vogel too and I think that the way he's been able to to get these guys to lock in, especially defensively. And, and like you mentioned, LeBron has been in 
from game one. Like he, he's not taking nights off like we saw us maybe sometimes last year. Or we thought maybe he was he was he was kind of coasting on defense. He's been locked in too. And and when I look at that, like and I said that early in the season before the the before we even tipped off on October twenty second was that hey if uh, if if they struggle twenty games in. There's going to be some questions like, is Frank Vogel the right guy for this job? And, and are we going to see, you know, Jason Kidd come in and, and take over? And now at 14 and two, I mean, all those all those doubts have been silenced, right? Yeah, I mean, the thing about to go back to LeBron, I think you made an interesting point on LeBron. Like we, we all kind of, you know, we all kind of expect him to coast on defense. And it's actually been the opposite. There have been a lot of games where he's kind of he's still in game load managed himself, but he's uh, coasted on offense a little bit more. And I know that sounds crazy to say about a guy who's been like racking up triple doubles and leading the league in assists and all this stuff. But like there it, it, he turns it on usually like around midway through the third quarter and really like tries to assert himself. But like for the most part, he's co- he's coasted on offense rather than defense, which has been like I ne- I'll be honest I never would have expected that going into the season even for all he talked about defense and all Anthony Davis talked about pushing LeBron on defense I think we're really seeing the intangible effect of these two guys not being just two superstars but two superstars who like really respect each other and have gotten buy-in from each other a little bit and I think don't want to let the other one down and are willing like after games at times like Anthony Davis or LeBron like you know like Davis will give LeBron a hard time about his free throw shooting and like LeBron will give Davis a hard time about other stuff and like they're you know they're joking but it's like friends do how you hold each other accountable and like I think that there ha- the Lakers really have seen an intangible effect of that relationship like uh, especially in how LeBron's approached the defensive end which has been just like crazy to watch in year seven how bought in he is on that end and like you know I, I obviously against the Grizzlies he looked a little less good just because second night of a back-to-back he didn't get his pregame nap in because the concert outside this hotel um like all that stuff is understandable but game on a game-to-game basis he he's like other than Davis he's arguably been the Lakers most consistent defender which I never thought I would say this season oh for sure and I mean the way he's kind of playing and and, and uh you know in terms of playing one-on-one defense, his help side defense, everything like he's he's been completely completely keyed in, and I do credit that to to, to the coaching staff. I don't know, and, and like you mentioned, I think Anthony Davis probably said to him too, "Hey man, you can't take no nights off. Like I'm an MVP candidate when I want to be too. You know what I mean? It's not just you and a bunch of young guys right now who are maybe awestruck or are looking at it like, wow, I'm getting to play with this guy. Like he's holding him accountable. Another guy I want to bring up, uh, Rajon Rondo." He's been pretty damn good the last couple of games. A lot of people, I mean, he's, he's polarizing as it is with, with uh, Lakers fans and people are kind of hot and cold on him. And, and some people, I'd say most people weren't fans of Rondo, but I mean, you do have some people who say he, he brings an element that the team needs. How important do you think he's been since he came back for that second unit kind of stabilizing things for them? Yeah, I think, I mean, I'd have to look into exactly the game-by-game stuff on this, and I haven't yet. It's actually an idea that I've been kicking around for a possible piece, so I guess I'm spoiling that. But, like, Rondo, um, it's been interesting to watch. The correlation between the Lakers' three-point shooting going up and Rondo coming back, I believe there is a little bit of a correlation there. Again, I'd have to look at the exact numbers. I don't have them in front of me. But it really does seem, especially Kuz, seemed to get his offensive game going once he was no longer being asked to like just okay go in there and create for the second unit let's see if you can do it and another example of Vogel kind of experimenting and seeing if something was going to work and it didn't really but when Rondo came back he's getting the ball exactly where Kuz wants it Kuz has been shooting a lot better for the most part since then and like he also Rondo is not going to be a lockdown defender this year he's not going to be a part of any of the Lakers best defensive lineups he's still bad on defense but he's mm-hmm. he's trying and so he's went from like horrific eye gougingly how can he even be playing when he's like taking a nap at the three-point line on defense like almost like he's trying to not try level defense last year to um like this year 
he, he actually is trying. And so he's went from like, you know, horrific to just kind of normal, not good, which yeah. has made a difference a little a bit. <laughs> and um, yeah, teams are still going to attack him and pick and rolls and stuff like that. And that's fine. Like that's what comes with it. But I think Vogel's done a pretty good job of staggering him and LeBron. Not completely. They do overlap sometimes, which, you know, we kind of knew would happen. But for the most part, a lot of those Rondo lineups have come when LeBron is on the bench. And like, I, I think he's done a pretty good job and helped organize this second unit on a team that doesn't really have a creator. Again, he's not perfect. He makes some passes sometimes that you're like, what were you even going for? And he's not good on defense, but like he is a, a helpful player for this team on certain nights. And we saw that again against the Grizzlies last night offensively. I think he really did help stabilize them a little bit. Yeah, and, and that's what the element he, he brings to the team, right? I mean, you're going to have, if you have Jared Dudley out there, I mean, he'll try hard on defense, not going to create too much offense for you. So it's almost kind of give or take when you're getting, I think, that deep into your rotation. And, and, and you're talking about Rondo on the offensive end. And this is one thing I, I looked at with, uh, the Lakers roster coming in and it's like, yeah, okay. I'm not going to take anything away from the team right now. They're sitting at 14 and two. I don't think anybody, like I said, thought that they would be this good, this fast, but again, the level of competition. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe yeah, I was going to say like, maybe they, they may not have even thought they were going to be this good. this fast. Like, I think if you were to inject them with truth serum, I don't know that they would have predicted 14 and two, even as competitive as all of them are. Yeah, I mean, and they're they're rolling. They won fourteen to fifteen. I mean, other than that opening night loss, you had that one loss to Toronto at home, which actually doesn't look as bad now. When you look at the Raptors, they're sitting at eleven and four too. So they're not they're not a pushover. I mean, obviously you had that win against uh, Dallas and OT. Dallas looks like it's going to be a playoff team this year. But the rest of the squads they've beaten, they're, they're borderline. You know, Miami's actually that win looks a little bit better now because you look at how well the Heat are playing. They're sitting at eleven four as well. But you look at the next stretch, and and we'll go over this. So they're playing at San Antonio on Monday night. Uh, Wednesday, Anthony Davis has returned to New Orleans and then at, at home against Washington, at home again against the Mavs. And this is a stretch I like from December 1st to December 8th. You're going to go home against the Mavs at Denver, at Utah, at Portland, and then home against Minnesota. Minnesota, probably the, the worst of those teams. I think Portland, as it gets healthy, will be better too. But when you look at this, are you are you confident that this roster as constructed can hold up in a seven game series? And I'm not looking at the first round. I'm looking at, you know, the, the semifinal conference semifinals and conference finals. If you play a team like the Clippers who has Montrez Harrell and Lou Williams, Jamichael Green, all these guys coming off the bench who are able to fill it up really, really fast. Do you think that the Lakers have enough as constructed to, to keep up with those teams in a seven game series? Before I address that, I just want to say, like, you mentioned the schedule. I just would like to give a hearty verbal middle finger to the NBA for scheduling games on the night before Thanksgiving and then the night after. So, <laughs> like, we get really realistically, zero, like, no time to, uh, like, take, like, a little bit of a break here. But, um, like, uh, you know, aside from that, complaining about having, like, the coolest job in the world, I, I, as far as the seven-game series goes, um, I, I honestly think that they are, like, ready to hold up for that. I think, like, I'm not really worried about them in the first round at this point I think the way that they've been yeah. playing they've like definitely assuaged any concerns that they're like a tough first round out or something like that uh, they're definitely a legitimate contender and you know uh, the Clippers since Kawhi and PG have both been in the lineup have looked really really good and like like on nights when uh, when both of those guys are playing I just I do wonder and again I'm not a doctor I haven't looked at Kawhi Leonard's medical information I just worry a little bit about that calf that's supposed to be that we know is degenerative and then the knee issues that he's having now like you know I know they're going to load manage him throughout the season but I just I I would if I were them I would have some level of long-term concern about like 
his ability to hold up for a playoff series this year when, like, this really does seem to be bothering him. He still played well, but he does look like he's lost a little bit of a step because of it. And I wonder if that just gets worse throughout the season. I don't really know. And AD, like, the Lakers have some of those similar concerns. Like, LeBron is playing this well, but, you know, he's older, and we don't know about how that's going to go. And Davis is grabbing his shoulder after every, like, uh, you know, every dunk or block or whatever. And like that concerns me long-term for the Lakers. So I I think a lot of that is going to come down to health, but I would love to watch both of these two teams, if they can stay healthy, play each other in a seven game series. And honestly, the way that things have gone right now, like, I I don't know if this is even like a bold take anymore because of how well they've started the season. But I know the Clippers were the preseason favorites, but I'd pick the Lakers as things stand right now. I honestly think that, they should be the title favorites um, at this point in the season. Again, I don't know how controversial that is to say, but it's just like they're getting so much out of like some of these limited lineups that they aren't even going to have to play during the playoffs. Like AD and LeBron's minutes are going to be able to go up because you're going to have more rest between games. The games matter more. Those guys intensity level is going to go up in even another notch. Like if this team is healthy, like, you know, and LeBron somehow takes this defense up another notch and starts like trying on every offensive possession again instead of like, you know, just in second half ones and stuff like that. And AD just like takes it up another notch defensively, like, you know, he will in the postseason. Like, this is a really, really scary team, especially if Davis like shooting the three ball kind of sneakily better over the last couple games is real. Like, I, I it's really hard for me to not just like, I, I actually will. I'll call them the out and out favorite right now in my mind. Yeah, and then the, Vegas has, has the Lakers and Clippers neck and neck. They're both sitting at, at uh, five to two to, to win it. And so, I mean, I think I don't think it's controversial at all to say that the Lakers are are the favorite. And you mentioned that. I mean, I, I look at it too. Like, don't get me wrong, Kawhi Leonard is great. I, I, him and LeBron are probably to me uh, the two. And Giannis, you could throw up there too. The three best players in the NBA in terms of individually. Kevin Durant might have something to say about that when when he's back next season. But when you look at when you look at uh, how like LeBron and I always look at it like this. Like, if you look at how LeBron and AD stack up against Kawhi and Paul George. I take LeBron and AD all the time, and, and I, I'm with you. I don't know how many teams are going to be able to beat the, those two together at four out of seven game series, and with the roster kind of things and flowing the way it is right now, they are going to be a tough out. I do want to jump into a couple other things with you, Harrison, about the team and, and, and some individual players, but we'll do that after, after this short break. All right, and we are back. I uh, wanted to jump into AD with you. You're in the locker room. You're, you're an accredited guy. You, you get to go check out you know, the home games, and, and, and you watch them and report them and cover them. Uh, you mentioned Anthony Davis's shoulder. How has he been in the locker room afterwards? Does he look like he's having discomfort? Is he gone for treatment often? What, what is the situation going on there? No, so to be honest, like, I don't think that they do a ton to it after games. Like, I know during games, at times he's had a heat wrap on it and stuff like that. And I know they've taped him up a couple times and he's been wearing that compression shirt and stuff like that. But as far as after games, not really. And he also has really kind of, like outside of a couple occasions has really pushed back on the idea that he's that hurt. Like there was one, there was that instance that everybody remembers where he said, like, I feel it on every single play. And I remember when I heard him say that my eyebrow, my eyeballs like literally almost popped out of my head in the scrum. And I was glad I was not like within TV camera range because that would have been a meme. Um, And I was just like, I was just like, wait, what? Your shoulder hurts on every play and you're going out there and like, like during the regular season, but then he's, kind of pushed back on that and said that he's feeling a little bit better. He, uh, you know, he told us the other day that he's feeling close to 100%. I don't know how much I believe that based on, you know, like how much he's still grabbing at that shoulder and like the rib, we still don't like know exactly what is up with that. Like there's been a lot of vagueness there. Um, but as far as like after games, I, I think he's mo- I, like, I haven't noticed him. Like it's not like he's doing his post game availability, like hung upside down in one of those like back straightening chairs or something like that. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I think, 
you know, he, he's most. I think he's mostly okay. I think it's definitely. It's like all these guys have nagging injuries. They just don't all necessarily make it onto the injury report. And like, I think that this one was serious enough that you know they had to list it because they had to sit him out. But like, I think it's the type of thing that a lot of NBA players play through. I don't know how much worse it can get because I'm not a doctor. But like, it, it seems like it's the type of thing where he just really wants to play. I think like every single time that he's been asked about it, he's pushed back him, both him and LeBron have like kind of sneered at the idea of load management the other night after they beat the thunder, uh, AD was talking about like, uh, or Frank Vogel said that he'd decide about load management, like the next day who would play against the Grizzlies, whatever. And AD just goes, nah, I'm playing. Like, <laughs> and so like, he really wants to play and he really, uh, I think wants to put this injury prone label behind him. That's been my read on it the whole year with how much he's pushed back on. Like anytime somebody implies that he's injured, he's like, it's more like this. No, I'm not injured. You're injured type thing. Like, um, and so I just really think that he wants to shake that injury prone label. And I think that for him, like he wants to kind of like gather up the, these accolades that he feels like he deserves for being one of the best players in the league. And the way that you do that is by staying in the lineup. I think he knows the health has been the knock on him. Well, you mentioned that they, they kind of sneered at, at, at getting, you know, taking some time off for, for load management. Do you think the Lakers should look at that and say, hey, guys, look, we're, our, we have bigger goals, right? We're not looking at this to, to finish as, as great as it would be to have the one seed and, and home court throughout the uh, through the Western Conference playoffs. And who knows what's going to happen in the East. But, um, you know, if you look at that, like, would you say, all right, you know what, we're off to a great start here. Uh, maybe, you know, next time we, we, we're having a, a – and I don't, probably wouldn't – I don't think they do this then because – Tuesday, December 3rd, they're at Denver, and then the following Wednesday, they're at Utah, which could be – that's going to be a tough, tough game going on a back-to-back. Especially with how good – Back-to-back, yeah. Yeah, like would, would you – and I, again, would you look at, at not doing what the Clippers are doing with Kawhi where you might set out 20 games the entire season? Because I believe that the team should look at maybe, you know, seven to seven games, five to seven games for LeBron, maybe a game a month where he almost misses and, and just to get some rest. And if AD needs it too, is that something you think the Lakers should look at or is that just going to be off the table, you think, unless the players say, no, you know what – uh, we want the day off. Yeah, again, like I'm not a trainer, so I don't have full access to this kind of stuff. So I don't. I can only say based on what we've been told and what we know about like it, which is not a lot about both of these guys. Like if it was me personally, I'm, I run on the cautious side. I think anyone who's ever read my work or know, uh, like listened to me on a podcast knows that. And like I personally would do that just because I'm, I'm with you. I think they have larger goals in mind and stuff like that. But I also think that they have smaller goals that are important to them in the regular season. I think they really want to establish themselves. And I, I think that it would really take some convincing from this training staff to get either of them to agree to something like that. And it just may be that they just don't want to do it. And it'll take like them actually getting like a, a, an injury that they can't really play through to sit them down like I, I don't know again like I, I I don't know for sure but it does seem like both of those guys really like LeBron gave that memorable interview where he just you know essentially said f load management and like uh like he doesn't want to do that and so you know I think that that would be a tough sell I think for the team uh like unless they really came to them with like data and like look how much look how far we are ahead in the west like we want to have you at 100 percent kind of thing i think they'd really have to make a compelling case to those guys to get them to willingly sit out without like an injury that kind of necessitated it okay yeah and i i think that's that's probably the right attitude but i do think at some point they should look at it especially if you go down to later in the I'm season with you. And, they, and they have a four or five game lead you know what i mean and they're like all right we're sitting okay we can afford to maybe punt a game here or, or hope that the, the I don't want to say the lesser guys, but they kind of are, let's be honest. You know what I mean? The bench guys yeah. can, can pull off a win. I wanted to jump in with you about, jump into something with you about how the team looks in the locker room and the field. Uh, last season, it almost looked like they, they were completely, there's a little bit of negativity, like a dark cloud was over that locker room throughout the season, especially as we got later on and, and realizing that the Lakers don't have a chance 
at making the playoffs. Now, this season, obviously, brand new roster. I mean, so many people, new people coming in. you got Anthony Davis, that dynamic in the locker room now where you got an MVP candidate sitting next to LeBron James. What has it been like, you know, well, even at practices and, and you're kind of getting a feel for the team, what has the energy been like around these guys? It's honestly, and again, some of this just goes to that they're winning. So I think it's easier to have fun when you're winning. And like, I don't know how much those two things feed each other. Like, did the fun come before the winning and lead to the winning, which then leads to more fun? Or was it the winning led to the fun, which then leads to more winning, whatever? Like, I don't know. It honestly doesn't really matter. It's been so much more fun to be around this team this year from a coverage perspective, just from like an environment perspective, because all the guys are in a better mood for the most part. And like, they're more willing to just like talk about basketball stuff. There are actually like positive basketball stories to cover. So you're not like, why do you think you guys have struggled at three point shooting? It's like, you know, how has this defense been able to be so good or things like that. You're able to talk with them about basketball stuff that they want to talk about because they're winning. So that's made it more fun. And then just as far as their like interactions with each other, like, you know, you, you have moments like LeBron and AD's lockers are right next to each other, and they're constantly giving each other a hard time or trying to get the other one to crack up during their post-game interviews and stuff like that. Uh, the other day, like we were there, I think it was earlier this week, and um, LeBron, AD was doing his uh, – his uh like practice post uh shoot around or post practice interview and lebron was like banging a trash can off to the side <laughs> because he wanted to get done he was going Ooh. after and he wanted to get done and go and uh like he's really been giving anthony davis a hard time about giving too long of answers and like keeping them there longer and stuff like that um you know like you have moments like like lebron is like bumping music and you got dwight howard dancing across the locker room to like you know and all that stuff like just like these guys just clearly are enjoying each other and just having fun being a winning team and they all really do genuinely seem to like each other like i'm sure there's some guys like any coworkers that it's like you know they're not they're not your closest friends but it does seem like it's a really good work environment and like they do all genuinely have like an affection for each other and like a an appreciation for what every single guy brings to the team like every single guy like I've again I've only covered losing teams so I'm sure that to some level this is standard but like after every single game like guys are constantly going out of their way on questions that are unrelated to like what they were asked about like if they're asked about the defense to credit specific guys for specific plays that they made and make sure that everyone is kind of getting credit when they feel like they did something special you saw how the team rallied around kcp and every single guy was talking him up and posting about him on instagram and kind of gassing him up and you know look how his shooting has turned around since then and look how much better he's played like i think that this is a team that really supports and likes each other and i, I how can that not make a difference in how you play you know like it's not like they were going to be bad if they didn't like each other the lakers know having good teams that don't like each other from the Shaq and Kobe years but um I think it certainly has to help if you're a team that really just does enjoy each other's company and they really do seem to yeah you're right and even what we mentioned about KCP because I've dogged on him a, a lot and I said hey you know what I gotta eat crow with the way he's looked the last you know few games and it's been an interesting dynamic with with him starting in, in place of the injured uh Avery Bradley Brad apparently not going to play throughout the road trip at least so you know was we'll get another status update on, on him i'm sure soon enough but when you look at that when, when he does come back would you maybe look at getting uh, uh avery badly back into the starting lineup or would you roll with what kcp is doing right now yeah honestly i think i'd still go back to bradley if it was me just because you really have seen 
the effect that not and not having his defense in there has had on this like team. And it's not like he wouldn't play if he came back and he didn't start. But I, I just think like I, I don't know how Vogel feels about this, and I think it'll be interesting to ask him like when Avery Bradley comes back. Like, do you feel like a guy can lose a starting job to injury, or is that kind of unfair? Or like, how does this work? And but he had talked openly about how this starting lineup, even if they played well, they may not be the starters the whole year because he was going to experiment with that stuff. So it may just lead to you know this is like KCP's time now, or maybe we're going to give like Rondo his shot that I almost assume he's getting at some point. I know Lakers fans don't want to hear that, but I almost feel like it's going to happen. Like that's again, that's not sourced. I just like the way that things have gone reading between the lines. Um, and so I think like, but some of that is replacing him with Rondo has like made the defense worse. And again, Rondo has helped. He just hasn't helped the defense. And so like replacing, like having, Kuz and Rondo coming back right as Bradley is out of the lineup has hurt that defense a little bit, even though Kuz has been trying harder and been better on defense. Um, but yeah, I think he's going to get back in there. And if I had to guess, I would say that he starts, but I just think that it's possible that maybe he doesn't. You, you mentioned Kyle Kuzma. Um, you know, he hasn't been, hasn't been great, hasn't been terrible since he came back. He's had a couple of nice games, a couple of, eh, you know, what kind of average ones. But you look at what he's been doing with with this team he's only averaging 12 points a game that's good enough for third on the team how important is it that the lakers get him going because what i what i'm looking at it like as soon as boogie went down with that injury i was like okay kuzma is like the, this is he's their third best player on the team and he's gonna have to almost carry that second unit offensively as the guy who can come in and has the capability of, of going off for 20 25 points any night uh, why do you think is i mean do you attribute a little bit of his up and down start due to the injury and and kind of the rust and, and having a couple months off after getting hurt in August with uh with Team USA, but when, when you look at him, what do they got to do to get him going? Is it just something that you know what he's just keeps got got to keep getting the reps, keep getting the practice time, and and he'll get to where we expect him to? Or do you think there's a, there's a, any other lingering issue with Kuz right now as well? Yeah, I'd honestly lean the former. Just like I think it's tough. Like if you look at what he had to deal with, like he had no training camp because he was injured and he was out. Like he got injured back with Team USA, so he didn't have training camp to adjust to his teammates or get in conditioning. So you come back, you have to adjust the conditioning a little bit. There's also been a lot of like uh, like tumult kind of in the lineup since Kuz came back, like with Bradley's injury and them trying to find solutions to that. So you're not necessarily getting used to playing with the same guys every single game. And he's also he's playing a role he's never played before, which is like it's not like he was the number one option on the Lakers last year but he was further up than he is now on the chain and uh, like I think that when you're a guy that's been kind of maybe not the number one option at every single spot but definitely a featured scorer somebody that team really needs and really needs to get going in order to win games like the Lakers can win games right now in the regular season without Kuzma and the playoffs to reach their ceiling they're going to really need him and which is why I think that they kind of have to stick with it and let him struggle a little bit even though he's mostly been fine I think when you talk about like the improvements that he's made on defense, even if he isn't perfect yet. And like his in slowly increasing efficiency since he returned from injury. Like I think he's been fine. He hasn't been near where his feeling I think can be. And I think it's just going to take some time for him to adjust. I honestly, like, again, I always lean as like a more patient person. So that's just kind of my personality. Um, but I, I honestly think that he just needs like maybe another 10 games, get his legs, get his legs fully under him, uh, get fully comfortable with the lineups that he's playing with and his role on this team. And I, I think the coups that we're going to see in like 10 games, I think is going to be much better. Okay, I'm going to bring out my pessimistic side now. So, so people who are listening. All to right, this, go yes, for it. That, that, I, that's aware. fine. It's better if we disagree. <laughs> well, I'm I'm aware that they're I'm aware that they're 14 and two. I'm aware that you can't complain. This has been as good as a start as you could have expected. Uh, winning 14 out of 16 games at any point in the NBA for any team, regardless of the schedule, is damn impressive. But I'm looking at it. Okay, when you look at the roster, and we talked about this a little bit. 
what is one deficiency that you look at that could get in the way of the team winning a championship? And that's where I mentioned. I, I just think the bench, uh, and there's one guy out there whose name is going to be attached to the Lakers until January, February, whenever that stuff is, is sorted out. And that's Andre Iguodala. I think he brings a dynamic they need in terms of a wing defender. And I also think he is another guy who's a capability. He can come in and score 10, 12 points tonight, hit some big shots. But I do look at the, the offensive depth or the, or the lack of it, I think, off the bench. Could be something to hurt the Lakers. When you look at them and, and you're around the team a lot, like I mentioned, what do, what do you think is one area that you look at and say, okay, you know what, that could come back to bite them later on in, in the season if this roster stays at, as constructed going into the playoffs? Yeah, it's got to be the ball handling. And, like, Iguodala would help with that. But I know Memphis is, like, telling people that – and, again, some of this could be posturing to get, like, uh, like better trade offers for him. This is kind of what they have to say. But I know Memphis is telling people, like, no, there's no way. We're not buying him out. And so, like, I, I think um, – like as far I don't know that he's necessarily going to be the savior because I think it's hard to construct a trade for the Lakers to make with him because of all the guys that they have that are basically have essentially no trade clauses. Um, yeah. You can read about that on Silver Screen Roll. Christian has written about it numerous times. Um, so, but I think it has to be the ball handling is the biggest weakness here and the biggest potential red flag. Like. I, again, all the positives that we've said about Rondo on this show aside and how he's helped, if you're relying on Rajon Rondo to be your, like, secondary playmaker in 2019, like, there are potentially problems there when teams scheme him out in the playoffs and better teams are able to construct a defense that is solely built around, like, almost forcing Rondo to shoot. And, again, he's been a little bit better of a shooter this year. We'll see if that holds up. But, again, that's not something you want as a consistent option in your offense is Rondo shooting a three even if it's open. And so – like, I think, uh, you know, that's the biggest potential weakness to me is just like, is this going to be too much of a ball handling burden on LeBron, especially when you get to the playoffs and teams can really ratchet up the play- pressure and game plan for you? Is there, how do you think they could rectify that? Or is, is there any a player out there, like you mentioned, I know they're, they're, it's going to be tough for them with, with the roster and, and the lack of assets. I mean, you know, giving up the, the, all the first round picks that they did in the Anthony Davis trade. But when you look at it, um, what, what is the way that you think that, or is it just going to have to answer going to have to come from within? Yeah, I think I honestly think that it's going to have to come from within or they're just going to have to kind of get lucky because it's like short of and, you know, uh, Jacob Rude brought this up on uh, Can You Dig It, our Thursday podcast. Like, can, can they get Darren Collison to come out of retirement? Like, because <laughs> yeah. other than that, like, it's just it, it's going to be tough, I think, to find a ball handler like those guys are usually not available in where are we uh, November and um, like November, December, whatever. And so maybe there will be some guys on the buyout market or whatever, and maybe they make a cut uh, and they add someone who's a little bit better of a ball handler. Um, but I, I, you know, honestly, I think that's the biggest weakness. And I think it's not going to be an easy thing to solve. And if Rob Palenka can solve it, he deserves a ton of credit. Uh, but like, I, I just, I don't think that it's, there's like any easy, like, Oh, like this guy's out there, just go get him type of solution type thing. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think if, if there's able to, if they're able to figure out a way to do it in house, I mean, I was, I was kind of hoping to see, a little bit of a step up from Caruso. I think Caruso has been very good for, for what he is and, and what he brings to the table. I was hoping he could kind of, or Quinn Cook, could kind of take over that secondary role. But Rondo, again, you're going to have to live with the, the crappy defense for the most part in order to, to take what he brings offensively. I'm going to wrap up on this. Again, this is going to be a negative. I'm not saying in a bad way, but when do the Lakers lose again, in your opinion? They've won seven in a row, 14 uh, and 15. Um, sitting at, like we said, 14 and two many times over the podcast. But I, I'm thinking they'll be at least 18 and two going into Denver. What, what are you looking at right now? 
Oh, no, I'm like, I, I, I've said all this positive stuff, and this is no slight to the team, but I feel like I've said so many nice things about them on this podcast that they're essentially guaranteed to lose against the Spurs. Um, like, I, I just think that we totally revert, we totally jinxed them into it. Um, <laughs> in, uh, in, all, in all seriousness, I think eventually they're going to drop one of these games over this next week or so to one of these kind of like, they aren't playing good teams, but I just think that they've been so lackadaisical and like playing with, it's almost like they're, in a game of chicken with themselves to be like, how crappy can we play and still win the game? They're like almost trying to figure out the baseline bottom level of how much effort they have to expend to win a game. And they came really close to uh, finding that out against the Grizzlies last night. And if the Grizzlies were a little bit better, we may be having a conversation about, okay, well, the winning streak's over. Is there, is there anything wrong? Or like, was it just a schedule loss or whatever? So like, I feel like they're going to lose one of these games. And again, it's not because I'm not confident in this team. I just think that they're really playing with fire right now. And like, I think they're justifiably confident in themselves and with this approach that they've taken. But I, I think that combined the defensive slippage combined with kind of the like, you know, we're going to kind of screw around on offense for the first three quarters and then really turn it on and see if we can win the game. I get why they're doing it, and it's like to save energy on a veteran team for the playoffs and because they aren't particularly interested in the Grizzlies or any of the threats that they present. Um, but I think eventually they're going to lose one of these games to a team, and it's going to have to be a little bit of a wake-up call for them. All right. I'm, I, I said this. I said 18-2 and two going into Denver. I'm looking forward to those two days, though, that, that back-to-back with Denver and Utah, expecting a split there. I don't know which way it's going to go, but, man, isn't it more fun this year covering this team and being around them than it was last season? Oh, my God. Yeah, I was actually – I was just talking with Anthony Irwin about this. Like, we were talking about, like, stuff that we could talk about on tomorrow's uh, Lake Show, and I was like – Dude, this is so much more fun than I thought it would be. Like, I didn't realize how much of the joy covering – and this sounds stupid. Like, I I understand that. But, like, how much of the joy covering a losing team took out of it? Because I was just looking at it as, like, this is awesome. I get to go cover the NBA for a living. Like, I get to write about basketball. Like, this is the greatest job in the world. But, like, I I didn't realize how much more fun it is to talk to guys for basketball stories when they're actually playing good basketball, which, again – sounds stupid but it was just something that I had never gotten to do before because I'd never covered a good Lakers team um and so like it's been just like eons more fun and like added my to my enjoyment of the job and like I think it's like definitely I think the Lakers are having a lot more fun this year too like I think everyone is and you know I, I they're gonna hit some adversity this year they've talked about like that you know Frank Vogel keeps telling them eventually they're gonna lose a couple games in a row and that's just gonna happen and they just have to stick with the program and again I think that's a credit to his coaching that he's already like just because things are good he's not he's not saying that they're gonna be good forever and he's preparing them for like look you guys have to continue to be bought in even when we lose a couple of these games because it's going to happen, you know? Like, that's just how the NBA season goes. And, um, you know, I, I just it, – it's to answer your question, it's just been so much more fun. Well, the, fun, the funny part is, like you mentioned, that when, when they do go on a bit of a losing streak or they lose three or four, I can't wait to see, hear and listen to those people and get tweets from those people who act like the sky is falling down and everything is, is coming apart you at the scene. You could just name Anthony. Yeah, Anthony, yeah, Anthony's one of those guys, and there's a lot of other people. I get I get tweets and stuff from people. I'm like, what the hell are you guys complaining about? But it's uh, it's been fun to see, man, and and glad you're you're in there because you do a great job uh, for SilverScreenAndRoll.com. Thanks again for doing this, Harrison. Thanks for having me on. All right, that's Harrison Fagan. You can catch him on Twitter at HMFagan. That's H M F A I G E N, and follow us as well at LakersSBN. And don't forget. 
subscribe to our podcast network. You can give us a like, leave us a comment. Uh, definitely, you can give us a rating. We'd prefer five stars, but if you want to give us one, that's okay too. Just share your opinion. You no, 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 no. One, one is not okay. Five stars. Five stars. Five stars or get out. Yeah, exactly. And ask us some questions on there too. We love interacting with people and getting to see what, uh, what you all have to say about the beloved Los Angeles Lakers. That does it for this episode. We'll catch you all next time.